Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson. And boy, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. One of those worlds colliding type of days. Of course, Sundance is continuing as we record, but there's much more to discuss on the awards front. And you had a pretty busy day as we record here on Thursday with a trifecta of announcements from DGA, PGA, WGA, am I forgetting another guild? There might be another one hiding in somewhere in the Actually, the, or, the editors announced yeah, today. Yeah, also, AC. <laughs> yeah, a quartet. A quartet. And, then, and, and then we had some earlier this week, too. We had the right, costumes and, 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 you know. All, all that stuff happened and yeah. Oscar voting opened up. So with this flurry of news, which, as you were telling me, it's usually not quite such a sandwich of news, Oscar voters are actually looking at this and making decisions and we can see some early indications of decisions they might make. So I don't know where to begin. Walk me through it. There's a lot. Okay. So what's really fun about this is, is that the guilds uh, are very indicative of more than, more than the crit. What the critics do is tell everybody what to watch. What the guilds do is tell you what those Oscar branches are actually thinking. Cause there's a lot of overlap. So Suddenly, we now have five front runners, which are basically the five movies that were the DGA nominees. So Steven Spielberg and West Side Story, they're in, you know, and and you have King Richard and you have Belfast, you have Licorice Pizza and you have don't. These are the movies that are absolutely at the front of the pack. And of course, Dune. Uh, which is doing, and all of these movies are also the ones that are doing well with the crafts. So they're all in the ones that are on the, you know, the next group, if you have the PGA 10 and you have the, the Oscar, presumably we're going to find out that there will be very similar 10 on Oscar nominations morning. Um, so in that group, the surprise omission, perhaps. Well, 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 okay, let me back up. What this all reveals is that there are certain films that have support in certain places and not others. In other words, House of Gucci, which looked so strong because it was a SAG ensemble nominee, as well as getting nominations for Lady Gaga and Jared Leto. It's what I always suspected. It's just the actors who like House of Gucci. The scene it's not a great movie. Let's be honest. Yeah. So. I mean, so Right we were always right, book. Eric. We were always right. So, so House of Gucci does not appear on all these different lists. It got left off. And, and the other omission was Tragedy of Macbeth. And we were having a conversation about this at the office. We were kind of on, a, on one of our staff calls. We all sort of recognize that Tragedy of Macbeth is quiet. It's not really making that much noise, except for cinematography and, and art direction. That's where its support is. And that's also true of Nightmare Alley, really, although it got a Writers Guild nomination. But it didn't make it into these other big, um, the PGA and the DGA. So so that's, and, and then something like Tick, Tick, Boom is doing very well. It, it showed up at, at the PGA and and it and 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 the and it got a first time uh, director nomination for Lin Manuel Miranda. That's a sign of, of strength. And then Lost Daughter isn't completely out of the hunt because uh, it has um, it wasn't eligible for the Writers Guild. The Writers Guild is always weird. You know, they always have like if you a have million members, and all the Tarantino's never. Power of the Dog, right. right, isn't eligible, and Belfast isn't eligible. So you can't make too much of those omissions. But 
it's it's um indicative you know you can't say that lost daughter didn't get nominated you have to you have to give her uh, a little room for for a possibility there maggie gyllenhaal for for her adaptation of the elena ferrante because she still has olivia coleman in the race for best actress so so there's a lot of moving pieces and it's all sort of settling into a shape of something so being the ricardos did better today than a lot of people would have expected um the french the french Batch ended up getting a nomination for uh, screenplay along with um, um, the, the Guillermo del Toro Nightmare Alley, but that doesn't mean they're going to get there in the end because there's so many things left out. But it does show you that there were serious campaigns for those movies. Yes. They started at the right moments for the lives they needed to have. And campaigning, even in this weird year, definitely worked really well for the folks who invested in it in the long haul. Certainly all these Netflix titles uh, are paying. It's paying. I mean, I actually did a, a an there could be campaign. three Netflix titles in the best picture race, which would be a real precedent. And we've been heading this way for a while. I, I did an Ampus Q and a with Adam McKay for don't look up. I moderated one of those online zoom things they do. And uh, man, people, the, it was a, a people love that movie. Really. I Thank mean, you, it was just, you could just hear it. And it was like a 45 minute conversation and the questions were so, you know, appreciative of that film. And so, you know, it's fascinating to see something on this scale. Going well, the actors, the actors like don't look up also, but the other thing, the other thing, so the, uh, the idea is that you want to have the ideal thing is to get all four, to get SAG ensemble, WGA, PGA, DGA, then you're in like Flint, you know, there's nothing you're missing. So none of them did that. None of the movies got all four. Um, and, and, uh, but some of them got three, three out of four. And that's a good, there's some stuff. I mean, the, the, the power of Dune is something that I feel like we have not returned to quite as much because we talk about it only in crafts. Yeah, I have to do a story. I have a story I do every year when there's one of these movies, which is quote unquote, a sci-fi film. Right. So there's a bias against it. And I mean, some movies get past it, you know, um, gravity, gravity did okay. Um, you know, and, and, and there's, you know, you could say fantasy films, um, like shape of water, you know, it ended up doing okay, but it's, it's a tough, it's tough to get there. So you don't see a lot of acting support for Dune. So it's missing that. And you don't see, um, it's mostly the crafts, but it got WGA, it got DGA, it got PGA, right? Pretty powerful. So, so that's pretty powerful. And it's got the scale and scope. And, and, and as our writer, Bill Deswitz, has been pointing out, as each of these guild uh, craft um, groups has, has weighed in, you know, the ADG and the ASC, uh, you know, all these. Those people <laughs> vote for best picture, too. So I've been editing all these stories that he's been writing. Of course they do. That's what Eric, that's how it works. You add up all those crafts, the 17 branches or whatever, and you end up with something that's a best, best picture contender. And that's why Dune is actually very, very strong. It can be like Lord of the Rings. It doesn't have to have, um, you know, the usual uh, actor bells and whistles to get And there. I suppose the, the other the other thing that's interesting about this is, you know, there's so much talk of even if even if you don't necessarily love these movies, if you want the Oscars to do well, then you need a big movie in there. And obviously it's not going to be Spider-Man. 
So Dune is the, your best bet in a way for a big commercial movie to have a significant. Oscar. I don't think people think like that. I, I really don't. I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. They're going to have a ballot with 10. They're going to fill in 10. Before it used to be five when it was a preferential ballot and then they would toss them all around and everything. Now they're going to fill in all 10 and there's possibilities for little movies to rise up from the side. It doesn't all have to be. You mean like fleet. It could be your, your campaign for flea, you you know, could, could wind up, you know, people are campaigning for drive my car, you know, you know, there's hope. Uh, They're not going to do it. They're not going to do these things, but if there were a year to do it, it's this year because because it's, they're going to be, they're going to be making all those piles and, and you, you know, it's going to be easier for things to rise up. And, but we also it's worth noting that, that, that as you said before that it's a very different membership than it has i mean it, it's so international not that that happened overnight but i think we've seen an acceleration yeah. in that international membership and that can affect these things too the place where that will show up is in the in the directing branch or the writing branch that's where i'm hoping hamaguchi makes a, a play you know or Almodovar. yeah it would be great if Almodovar got in there, uh, but there's no sign of strength for that movie. It hasn't shown up anywhere. You know, Penelope Cruz should have been in the running. And, and I know that Sony Pictures Classics is doing a great job getting her out there and she's popular and she's been nominated before. But but it just hasn't you know, materialized so I'm, far. You know, I moderated a Q&A with her. It was one of the few things I got out of the house for while I was on parental leave. And there were like 12 people there because it was right around the time of Omicron start fears start starting to set in. And I do, I do wonder if the, the cat, that movie was a casualty of, of timing in terms of just what people were paying attention to. And then all these other campaigns were already in motion. So it's, it's really, because people who watch it are really, really positive by and large. Um, it's just, I love that movie. I thought it was extraordinary. Um, it's not too late, but, obviously, but no, no. It, well, they, you know, they ended up and playing the timing on the father perfectly last year. Sony Pictures class. So it's yeah. possible that they're that they're going to pull this one out. Um, but but uh, there there isn't evidence. I'm just saying there's no evidence of it so far. One of the things that's come up, and, and I, I'm really curious to hear what you think about this is the idea that a lot of the buyers that came to Sundance um, looking for stuff were looking for material to put into the streaming sites. With the Cha-Cha uh, purchase. Um, well, that, that was that. Cha-Cha was Apple. But what was the show like? Leo Grand. That's which it. Is, uh, I loved Leo Johnson, Grand. Which it was, yeah. And went into the festival with an acquisition of, of that genre movie, uh, uh, Fresh, and both of those are, are Hulu titles. And I saw Fresh as well. A lot of people like Fresh, and I started out loving it because I, I love Daisy uh, Edgar Jones she's from Normal People. I love this actress, and I I was really with her going. You know, she's going out on a date with with uh, Sebastian Stan. I'm rooting for her the whole thing, and then it just. <laughs> It just turns into, and the director, Mimi Cave, is extremely experienced and knowledgeable. She's good. But, but the damn thing had no, it's just, it just turned into a gross. I I thought I was impressed. I mean, given that it is a first feature of of how, you know, polished it was on the level of production and the performances and Sebastian Stan in particular, I think it's fascinating how he's like, he embraces these kind of crazy roles and, 
the the thing about it is that it's so it's such a clear idea it's like as you're watching it you kind of know what this movie's getting at which is like american psycho meets you know hannibal lecter or something like that and once you kind of figure that out it's it's actually it just feels like it's an inevitability in a way and so you know that's always a little annoying but i've seen a lot worse movies that you can predict it didn't deliver another layer of meaning it wasn't get out it didn't have another point to make all it was was that the women somehow survive and band together that's it I've been working on a story specifically about the sort of explosion of, of, of genre films. I mean, it is what's getting financed and Get Out itself was had such a big impact on that on every level. And the big problem is that a lot of times these movies that get greenlit because they seem to be driving at some you know social commentary or whatever, they, the ideas aren't big, aren't big enough to kind of hold up the high concept or whatever. So we see that quite a bit. But how about these movies that actually have sold? I mean, certainly it was a slow market for big sales and nothing broke records, but we did see, as expected, a doc right out of the gate go to a big streamer. This was the the opening night uh, documentary, which was extraordinary. It was even, I wish I'd seen it on the big screen. It it was extraordinary on my home screen. This is the volcanologists over time obsessed with volcanoes. They're like chasing volcanoes the way people chase tornadoes, you know, and they get really close and they get this amazing, amazing footage. Um, So that sold uh, for a hefty uh, fee uh, to Nat Geo, but it wasn't like, you know, huge. It wasn't as far as we know, $20 million, or no. but it no. was probably in the seven I think it was, I think it was the 7.5 figure. Yeah. Which is still seems to be that movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's beautiful and it's all almost exclusively this footage they got out of this French vault from the, was the caretaker of this couple's legacy, which I think is pretty cool because, and it's a movie narrated by Miranda July. I mean, it's a the writing it's is good. Film. The filmmaker yeah. wrote, whoever wrote that narration for Miranda, that adds a whole different uh, level to it. So, so that, so, but, that, but it's not, you know, as, as big sales go, I mean, there, there was that huge sale for knock down the house when Netflix bought that, you know, that was like a really important movie. Whereas this is more of an intimate movie that also it's more like the free solo slot than that geo the house was something that netflix knew they could use their algorithms to reach political right. people and everything right, right. and see all that be an this, award that's film. all about marketing right. this is this is a smaller thing although it has this very sort of kinky thing about these couple the couples that can't keep away from from molten lava i mean yeah. you know it's amazing that's the real but, seeking element Right. But it also it can play around the world and in on different kinds of Disney platforms, not just Nat Geo, depending on the territories where it goes to. That's true. So That's true. Big play there. The other big doc, which we talked about last night, was Navalny. Alexei Navalny turned out to be not just a hero fighting for democracy in, in Russia, but also kind of a looker, right? He's very cute, I have to say. But movie but, star. But he's he's charismatic and that's what you need to be a politician. And he was the leading opposition politician in Russia until, you know, Putin really almost killed him and now has clapped him in jail. It's really it's a good documentary. Very smart. And it does. I mean, a lot of us, I think, knew about his story in recent times. These amazing details of how they. They did their own investigation and captured uh, this guy on video admitting what they did. I mean, it's amazing. 
poi- the, the people who poisoned him captured on, on camera or over the phone. And it's about the power of the internet too. But P- Putin is, a, is, is an authoritarian, uh, you know, leader and, and he, he, he does what he wants to do. And it's, it's scary. It's really scary what they have going on over I there. Think so, that, so this movie was, was produced by CNN. I'll be curious to see who picks it up and does something with it or if it becomes CNN plus or, or whatever, because there they'll, is a light they'll put it out to qualify it, but it, you know, the big play will be, will be CNN. Yeah. We'll and it, it's news. I mean, it does humanize this story in a way that will, I mean, because he is now in prison possibly for 20 years, who knows what that, I mean, it's a continuation of his story and it'll be fascinating to see where, where, I mean, it reminded me of citizen four in that respect. Well, that's the thing. He gets this interview with him right before he's 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 been he he gets poisoned. They somehow allow. Um, I guess they figured that he would never come back. Is what it really amounts to. What Putin wanted to do was get rid of his challenger, and so he went off to Germany and he recovered. And he made the decision to go back to Russia. So they talked to him. In uh, and and it's an amazing interview. Uh, what what what's your legacy after they kill you again? Right. Right. It's, it'll be an interesting one to follow for sure. And then the the, the big Apple deal this year, uh, following up on Coda from last year, turns out to be Cha-Cha Real Smooth. The, the movie that I think a lot of people expected would be the biggest sales, sales title seems to have been. And it's totally charming movie, especially one made by a guy in his early 20s during a pandemic uh, about a party starter and the older woman he falls for. Um, I, I feel like it's it's definitely a very accessible movie. It's not the kind of thing you want to hype out of Sundance as reinventing the rules by any means. So no, no, I've I've been following it and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so I was <laughs> on the Zoom last night. We were hanging out with all these programmers who who had seen like 40, 50, 60 movies. You know, the kind of people who are just churning through four. No, I've seen like 30 something and I day. felt like I was in this amazing I was I felt like a complete like I've seen a lot but much. but I felt like a complete uh uh whatever amateur but the, You'll catch up. No, I mean it's I see what I have to see. I mean it's it's and I have other things to do um besides go to movies all day long. I feel guilty watching movies during the day. Is that a weird thing? I do. Well, I watch them at night. Thing, right? I mean, at Sundance you wouldn't if you had to go No, to I'd be running around all day long, but I'd be right. writing stories too. So you have to always right. I've been watching stuff because of because of the the you know it's impossible not to bring up the fact that I'm experiencing Sundance with a two 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 month old right. Um, somebody actually came up to me in a 3D space and was like, "Hey, congrats on on the kid." Uh, they listen to the podcast, so I appreciate that people are aware of that. But I have to say, I mean, uh, I get up really really early now, so I'm watching movies more or less on a Sundance kind of schedule. I remember when I went to Sundance for the first time, and I was like, "Wow, it's so crazy if you actually." get up at the crack of dawn and go see a movie at 8 a.m., you can cram a lot into the day. So I've been doing that. But what's funny about it is that with the, you know, we address the genre films, like I'm watching stuff like Resurrection, which is like this Cronenbergian body horror pregnancy psychological thing. In the morning. more like 7 a.m. Like it was, it was like, I don't need coffee after that, but I don't know if I can get into the day now. So that's been really uh, uh, remarkable. Am I okay? And cha-cha real smooth were the two Dakota Johnson movies. And so she became the it girl for right. Sundance for this year. Um, she got, I guess really the question is, like, what is an it girl in a virtual year? 
you know, you don't it's see the, them at it's every It's the one party. who has two movies that everybody likes, and that's hard to come by. Good for right. I like the Am I so, Okay, too. It's a charming uh, queer rom-com of sorts. So. so the Brits did very well this year. They had Living, and we had anticipated this would be good because of its pedigree. I mean, it has Ishiguro adapting Kurosawa, and you have um, Bill Nye playing uh, the lead role. And he is, as everyone knows, Bill Nye, but he's, he's an incredible theater actor as well as a film actor and he just breaks your heart and yeah it's a movie. very it's a very obviously very quiet film about a you know a guy who's who's sort of disillusioned and, and disgruntled in a way and, and then gets some news that forces him to rethink you know where his priorities are in life and the time that he has left and i think it's in that sense it's the kind of film that Again, it's not about hype per se, but it's a it's a really good festival film in the sense that people are caught off guard by it because it's such a such a slow burn and so performance driven. You know what I would compare it to in a way? Um, I remember the year that um, Call Me By Your Name, the year that that broke at Sundance. It was a little bit off. It wasn't the kind of movie that you necessarily thought would be at Sundance, but it broke out. And Sony Pictures Classic took it all the way, all the way to the end of the line uh, with with um, James Ivory. And, and this is like that. So they picked this one up and they're going to be able to carry it through as a theatrical older audience Oscar movie. Beautiful, beautiful, stylish filmmaking from um Oliver Hermanus, who I've not known before. Yeah. Are you yeah, I mean, it's, from South I, I, Africa? Yeah, he's not a filmmaker who, who I've been following, although I've, I've heard of some of his other films. The movie has style. It's, yeah. it's very carefully done. It's certainly like Call Me By Your Name, the kind of movie that could be reintroduced in the fall to a bit sure. to more audiences. It doesn't need to play throughout the year. They don't need to get it out right. You know, it, it needs that fall slot. It's always interesting when there's a movie like that at Sundance that somebody like that can snatch it and just kind of hold on to it, you know. And, That's and the point. Later. The point we want to make with something like Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. This movie um, is exquisite. Uh, Emma Thompson plays an older woman. Again, similar, equivalent to the Bill Nye character. She's lived her life. Her husband has died. She has how much time left? She's in her 60s as opposed to being as old as, as and he she wants to get is. laid. So she well, it isn't just work. that. It's just she wants to together. discover what she's been missing. You know the old phrase, lie, lie back and think of England. Yeah, that's who she's been all this <laughs> yep. time. And now yep. she wants to have more fun. And so she hires a sex worker who's really great, this guy um, who, who plays him, yeah, uh, Daryl McDonald. Really yeah. good. He, I was watching him. I was like, this guy could be the next James Bond or something. He's, like, he's got it all. He's and, very and vulnerable. Very, um, he's very sexy. He's very open. Yeah, it's a very pandemic movie because it's mostly one room, you know, so it's almost like a play, but it it changes things up a lot. And, and obviously she, she does bear all, but it's not that kind of movie. It's not like a sex movie, really. No, really not at all. Movie. Not at all. It's, it isn't, it isn't that sexy actually. Uh, and they obviously is a woman director uh, who did uh, Sophie Hyde, who did uh, Australian, who did, who did very well with it. But the trick with it is, is that Emma made it, uh, who's a very strong minded feminist woman who calls it like she sees it. Um, and she, she definitely knew what she was doing here. She shows us everything. And there's this extraordinary shot where she does that looking in the mirror at her naked body. And, um, one of the things she said in the, uh, 
in one of the Q and A's I saw is that on the first day of rehearsals, they all rehearsed naked to get past all the hangups they might have. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I remember when um, she was in late 62 night. years old, man. You yeah, know? No, it, it should inspire other actors to feel more comfortable with the physical challenges on set. One hopes. I mean, I remember when she was in late night at Sundance and that was a very different kind of role. And that movie sold for a lot of money to Amazon and people were saying, oh, she's going to have like a big ride with this movie. And unfortunately, it, you never know. it just didn't materialize. But, but what's what's different now is that they bought it for some millions of dollars, not not as big a deal as Amazon. This one isn't likely to be an Oscar play because yeah, so it's they, going straight to, it. to yeah. uh, Hulu. No, no, this Hulu. is a Searchlight one. This, this is a Searchlight Hulu yeah. one. Okay, yeah. this is what I I heard. know it's hard to keep it straight. I mean, that, there's so many streamers throwing money around in this context. The point that, we're making is that it isn't what Searchlight would have ordinarily done. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it really does give you a sense of how things have changed. I have to tell you, though, my number one movie at Sundance this year was actually three, and that's genius, the Kanye West uh, Netflix piece, which I was riveted by because it's all this footage that this uh, filmmaker, Cootie, goes by Cootie, and he co-directed it with this guy, Chike, and they, they've co-directed a bunch of Kanye videos. He started filming Kanye West in 1998. Wow. And, uh, this when footage, he was young and like, sane. Yeah, the first shot at the time you seen the movie, he's like a He's like 21 years old. And so they had they didn't stay quite as close over the years, but you watch Kanye's story in a way where a lot of people I've, I've talked to, they're like, do I really want to relive that? I'm not so sure I feel good about him anymore. Brilliant. But it, yeah, it gives you a window into that. And it also shows you it's not like all of a sudden, you know, something changed. There's still an aspect of him towards the end of the movie that feels like it's connected to where he came from. You know, it's a very uh, individualistic person and also has mental health issues. He's got a lot of complicated family stuff. His mother, who is his closest advisor, died in 2007. So it really, I think, could be a huge, huge thing for Netflix. Each episode or installment is like 90 minutes. So it really is like three movies. That was just a really cool thing. Um, and I also really like the, the Bill Cosby miniseries that W. Kamau Bell put together for Showtime, which is, which is uh, an amazing breakdown of the kind of contradictions of this guy's legacy. So there was some good episodic stuff too, which also yeah. tells you what the market is right now. But um, on the doc, yeah. on the doc front, I really admired Descendant from Margaret Brown, uh, uh, Mobile, Alabama, uh, slave ship, Catilda. Uh, she really gets close to, to the inhabitants of Africa town and, and talks to them. And that was, that was extraordinary. Um, and beautifully, beautifully poetic and sharp and intimate and moving. Um, I, I think she did a great job with that. I have to catch up with that one. I've enjoyed her films in the past. And another doc that stood out to me was Free Chol Su Lee, which I think is not uh, distributed yet. But this is a really striking story about this Korean American who was wrongfully incarcerated in the 1970s for a shooting. And the Asian American community really came together to get him out of jail. And it's a story that was, we got a fair amount of news play at the time and even a, a, a weird James Wood movie was made about it in the 80s, but a lot of people don't seem to remember. I knew nothing about this, uh, but it, it it's it's bringing this back. And the, the best part about the movie is that it's not just the story of him getting out of jail. It's what happened next when he gets out of jail and he spent a big, big portion of his life there. 
and he's seen as this hero because he got out and then he has all these troubles. So it's a really fascinating and, and troubling story, but I hope it has a life. I mean, there's so many good docs. And the docs like, are great. You know, question of who, who gets the right plan out there for them because everybody has a different idea. All these different companies have money to throw around, but where do you even begin? I'm sure the sales agents are having fascinating conversations about different kinds of opportunities in that respect. But one thing we don't know is what wins the grand, the grand jury prizes. There's actually no ceremony this year as we're recording. It hasn't happened yet, but they're going to, they're going to put it out on, on Twitter. I'm always curious how much of this matters for things. I mean, sometimes it's like a whiplash comes along or fruit veil and it's like the start of this big journey. Sometimes it starts to move if it breaks yeah, out, if it's a beast no. of the Southern wild. But yep, I, exactly. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know if the, the Sundance winners have the kind of impact that you might think uh, in the marketplace. Because the jury prize, really, sometimes the, if the jury prize and the audience prize go together, that, that, can, have, that can have an impact. That suggests yeah. that, there's a, that there's an audience uh, as well as, as some discerning approval. But uh, one of the movies um, that we both saw was Second Chance, which is the Raman Barani uh, documentary. And um, it's a great story. It, it's this crazy guy. It's a colorful guy, uh, an entrepreneur, a showman, an ex exhibitionist who is selling uh, bulletproof vests and shooting yeah. himself constantly uh, in the vest to show to sell his product. And he gets to be very, very successful and then falls down in various ways that the movie uh, chronicles. But um I found it sort of um, unfocused and meandering, and and uh, not not as it, 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 there was something missing in terms of the momentum uh, that you would want in a story like that. It was quirky, and and he got he would do these. I don't know how to explain it, Eric. It's like the interviews went on too long, and he would hold on things, and he would I ask really like weird in ways. I, I philosophical I, questions. I, I I mean that's maybe that's more my sensibility, but I but I. I was just like immediately riveted by this character, Richard Davis, who's like somebody, again, it's like a story I didn't know anything about. And I was sort of amazed that nobody had made a movie about him yet. He's been making his own weird propaganda movies about his <laughs> for decades. And he's so self-congratulatory. Of course, he's this corrupt guy and he's done a lot of terrible stuff in terms of, you know, lording over people with his company. And, um, you know, the, the very concept of continually shooting yourself to, to make money there's there's so much in that and uh i was just so drawn into the that aspect of it i, I didn't care if it was like you know pushing the kind of ponderous philosophical quality too much because i he was just such a great centerpiece and it felt like Aaron morris or something like it it I wasn't that's what he was trying to do it wasn't trying to take the guy down even as it acknowledged that he was a deep no he was trying to he, well the other movie that that is honest so basically corporate greed ended up you know ruining this guy's life and and you know the demands of running a company and and trying to be safe uh were at odds with each other and and the other movie that 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 was true of was Downfall, which is the Rory Kennedy movie about Boeing, um, which was a very effective and terrifying movie about how uh, uh, the, the 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 aircraft that crashed in in twice, killing hundreds of passengers, uh, could have been prevented if they had followed uh, safety protocols. 
Yeah, I suppose that the this is another thing about the the heat, overheated stock market is that everybody's looking for something that's like the story you've never heard before that will tell you. This something one I read about quite a bit. Or, yeah, yeah. This one I remember being fascinated by at the time because that's Navalny was, too, right? Yeah. I mean, you knew who he was. I knew but some you didn't of know it. All of that. Right. Exactly. So, right. Exactly. Right. Well, what else? What else have we left out? I think if we if we talk about one more movie, it probably should be Lena Dunham. Okay, let's do sharp stick, shall we? <laughs> speaking of speaking of weird sex movies, to double back on the whole Emma Thompson conversation. Yeah, no, it's similar. It's 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 in the. Certain she's ways. trying to shock. She's trying to to provoke. But I also think this is a personal movie that um, is close to her heart, and she wrote it during the pandemic. And she's been such a polarizing figure, so uh, lambasted and criticized on social media. And, and she always put herself out there on the show Girls. She always showed her body in a way that a lot of people found uh, disturbing because she didn't have a conventional, beautiful actor's body. And I always applauded her for this. I always thought that, that you know, her exhibitionist, uh, tendencies were in the service of a certain feminist message, but she got so much hate over the years and became a celebrity that, you know, wearing fashionable outfits and hanging yeah. out with other celebrities like Taylor Swift. There was a lot of resentment against her. So she pulled back. She was ill. She sobered up. She, she uh, made this movie and I like the movie. It is odd and strange. And I think she didn't explain the main character quite enough. That's the central but, flaw. That's, that's yeah. why it doesn't, I mean, that, I, I just like revisiting another Lena Dunham project because I've always been responsive to her voice. I remember watching um, her, her like kind of rough first film that few people have seen creative nonfiction that she shot in her dorm the year before Tiny Furniture. Um, and she like just mailed that DVD to a bunch of us journalists. I remember talking to Karina Longworth, I think we were both like, She's got such a strong voice. She's definitely going to make a good movie at some point. And then Tiny I love Tiny Furniture. Right. I and then it was her. just like off to the races. And I often felt and like I interviewed her back then. Yeah. Yeah. And then that was like such a, a meteoric rise. And it, and it precipitated this the, this explosion of filmmakers migrating into TV. And often episodes of Girls felt like movies unto themselves. And she's an incredibly talented voice uh, with this sort of you know, ironic quality to the, to the way that she writes. So smart. So She's specific. such a good writer. I do find, I agree that the issue with this movie is that it has a central character who's so sexually naive and yet it doesn't totally make sense because she's not she's not a Mormon or something. She's not in a scenario in which she's a young they woman, don't explain a it. teenager who has a relationship with an older man, John Bernthal plays. And it's like, why don't you? The internet didn't teach you what all these things are that you're well, like. discovers later what the internet has to teach her. It's yeah, an odd thing because you have this very sophisticated, jaded mother played by Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee, who's a, who's like running a little um, compound where she rents out units in L.A. And then you have Taylor Page. So you have her and she's very charming and, and social media conscious and and vivacious and, and worldly. And, and then the, the younger sister is is this girl who is so naive and and um, 
out of it that you don't understand what, what it is. It is. She had some kind of hysterectomy and operation and her her, uh, you know, uh, glands didn't develop or something in the way yeah. that they were supposed to. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't explain who she is. But what but she goes like, through as an innocent is actually lovely. And I followed it. And yeah, there's, she's a great director of scenes. There's one scene I wouldn't totally spoil, but it involves her character uh, getting mad at another character in a moment when you wouldn't expect it. In, you know, when she's on the floor in the kitchen, right? And she just, she just like goes off. And it, I thought it was just so well directed, like in terms it's of where great the camera director. is, the, the Scene for scene, right? Yeah. You know, line for line, her part that she plays, there's a, you know, Bernthal's wife and pregnant wife and, yeah. and everything. There's some great uh, scenes with her and Bernthal. Bernthal was very good. He was yeah really good. And these are difficult scenes and they had a, an intimacy coordinator. I just wish that somebody smart had told Lena Dunham, you know, to, to flesh out that character and make, make it a little more comprehensible for the audience. Well, in any case, this was a, this was a a quick movie that seems to have been put together during the pandemic just to get something out there. It's nice to have a filmmaker. I always feel very filmmaker first in these things. Like I want people who have distinctive visions to just keep making stuff and then seeing that vision continue, even if it's not always a knock out of the park. She's got another bigger movie with Amazon, Catherine called Birdie, which is like a medieval comedy that's supposed to come out later this year. So she's got a few things in the fire and she's got a lot of interviews out there. So anyway, there was plenty to watch, plenty to, um, you know, ingest and more to come. I'm going to still be binging for the next couple of days. I feel like, I mean, I could, I could have just gone through my list right now. I was like, Let's wrap it up and talk about the grand jury prizes we don't know yet. But then we realized there was some other stuff to talk about. And the truth is, like, with Sundance, like any festival that has a, a, this kind of lineup, so many new films, you're really talking about it for months. I mean, we're still talking about Flea and Summer of Soul and a bunch of these other movies that launched at Sundance last year. And there'll probably be movies like Fire of, of Love and a few others that we'll be talking about a year from now. So... Uh, it'll be fascinating to see which ones kind of continue to be part of the conversation. But for now, I guess we'll go back and finish our Sundance. And I guess people will be voting uh, through, uh, over the next few days and, and we'll we'll see where we're at next week. But uh, next week. So, yeah, let's just lay out the calendar uh, of Oscar voting started Thursday, uh, goes through February 1st, pens down 5 p.m. Then February 8th, we get the Oscar nominations. So that's what's going on. TBD. I'll see you then, and I hope you get a chance to take a break. Thank you. Bye-bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.